Hello and welcome to the 15th of January 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong Stories has a unique place in the world. We're similar to a much bigger and more famous storytelling group in America, but we are not the same. We're called Hong Kong Stories, yet we have more stories from people who come from elsewhere and ended up in Hong Kong than from native Hong Kongers. We speak, write, and perform in English, not in Cantonese. But no matter where the stories come from and what the background and the ethnicity is of the storyteller, we end up with a collection of true and touching stories told live, on stage, here in this fabulous city. Today's feature story is from Dennis, who came to our workshop several years ago and has become a favorite on our stage. He always speaks from the heart about his Hong Kong home. After Dennis, we'll hear a story from Janita, who's been an integral part of keeping this group together and functioning in the past few years. Before we get to today's stories, though, warm greetings go out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We know that you're still recovering from the excesses of the new year and deep cleaning your homes to get ready for the start of the Lunar New Year. We hope our stories provide entertainment when you're busy with all that cleaning work. Thanks for listening to to go out to our international listeners today. This week, to listeners in Victoria and Halifax in Canada, Erna Kalum, their Ovananthropum in India, and Esh Shur Alzate in Luxembourg. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears, and thanks for listening to really slightly difficult to pronounce places in the world. January's live show is on for Thursday the 23rd at the Fringe Club and tickets are selling fast. The theme this month is Ready, Steady, Go. And you can get your tickets through the website at hongkongstories.com. Now with a story from our July show with the theme of belonging, here is Dennis. Dandy Road, Dandy Road on my way to home Friends of old, hearts of gold Feel my memory In 1980s I had a mental illness I joined a Christian fellowship That all members had mental illness. There, I met Yuk Seng. He was young, tall, and thin. He always invited me to join him at McDonald's. There, we ate, we chat, and laughed. Many times, I did not have enough money to buy food for my lunch and my dinner. Many times, Yokseng gave some money to me secretly and said, need not to pay me back. At that time, I was living on very little money. This kindness means a lot to me and make my life not so difficult. At that time, for a long period, 
I was very, very weak from my mental illness. Even a small unkindness made me break down and go into hospital. One day, one day, I heard that the girl I loved married someone else. I heard so much. I wanted to hurt myself by drinking some detto. I was sent to hospital. Then, Yoksing appeared, sat aside me, and said, Akam, I'm so sorry to hear that the girl you loved married someone else. I understand the pain in your heart. It hurts so, so much. But you must move on. Heartache is like a being inside a storm. I would walk through this storm with you. We are still young. We, have, we still have a long, long way to go. You must get well again and move forward. You must get better. In the following years, I got very, very weak and very, very dumb many times. Each time, I felt like I was inside a storm. And Yuxing sat aside and said, I will walk through your storms with you. He talked to me, listening to my problems, took me out to McDonald's. There, we ate, we talked, we laughed, till I felt better. Now and then, he gave me some money secretly and said, no need to pay me back. Gradually and gradually, I got better and better. Gradually and gradually, I got stronger and stronger. Ten years later, many things are changed. Yuxing got married. His wife had mental illness also. Their relationship was very troubled. 
they often quarreled with each other. Yuxing was sent to hospital many times, many, many times. And during this time, his character changed a lot. He cut all his time with me and other friends. As I went to the mental hospital to visit him, he refused me to entry in. He even would not speak with me at all. I felt so much pain in my heart. This man was such a good, kind friend to me that I wanted to help him. But he would not let me. Now, I still think of him often. Since then, each month, I put aside a little money in a box. I hope one day, one day I will see him again. I will tell him, this box belongs to you. In my heart, I hope it will make his life a little more comfortable. And I would tell him, asking, I know you have had many, many storms to walk through these years. I want to tell you, I want to walk through your storms with you. Without you, I have already given up. I never forget you. You are my best friend. On my way to home, friends of old, hearts of gold, feel my memory. Many days, friends, are the reason we make it through. We hope that you have someone in your life who makes it better. You can come and tell us all about it at one of our free workshops. Just check the website hongkongstories.com for details. Our second story today was first told on our stage in 2016. With her own story of friendship and complications, here is Janita. Justine is standing on my shoulders and she reaches down and takes one hand at a time and I brace myself for the transfer of weight and she kicks up into a perfect handstand, straight and still, 
like the handle of a broomstick. That's what we bases imagine when we're balancing our partners up in the air. We are the hand beneath, constantly moving to correct the balance from side to side. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and then I tilt her over gently to land back on her feet. Three seconds is the minimum time allowed for a balance in sports acrobatics. Anything less and marks are deducted. But I speak really slowly to ensure that our timing is perfect. Justine and I have been training for this competition for months and now finally the hard work is paying off. And with a final flourish of elegant dance moves, we move to the opposite corners of the floor. We face each other and we search for that look. The look that says, I'm ready. The look that says, at this moment in time, I am in total sync with my partner to pull off this final move that will win us this competition and make us junior champions. I have this look. But Justine doesn't. <laughs> On the other side of the mat is a 12-year-old girl with absolute terror oozing from her eyes. And I know, I know, she has totally forgotten what comes next. I mean, how does that happen? How can you practice something hundreds, if not thousands of times, over and over again, and then just at the vital moment, it's gone? Well, I, actually, I do know how that happens because I also have a problem remembering things. But with me, it's names. Not names that you've recently heard, but the names of people that you know really well. It could be somebody that you speak to every day. And like now, it's not what you're thinking. It's not an age thing. <laughs> because I've always had this problem. I'd be at school, and I'd be with some friends, and I'd have to introduce some new kid. Hey, Sharon, why don't you come over, and I'll introduce you to some of my friends. And I'd look at the first one, and it's gone. Not Sharon's name. I can remember hers, despite the fact I only met her an hour ago. But my friend, who I've known for the past five years, have been in class with for the last two, have been on holiday with, and have secretly been in love with her brother. Yes, her... I could tell you her date of birth. I could tell you, I could give you a vivid description of everything in her bedroom, every book she's ever read, every boy she's ever fancied, and everything she's ever said to me. But can I remember her bloody name? No. Nothing. Not even the first letter. Whether it's long or short or fancy or plain, nothing. And it's not as if you can turn round to a friend like that and say, God, what was your name again? <laughs> you can't. You bloody can't. It's an impossible situation. It's like standing in the middle of a competition gym floor. And you can remember all the exercises, all the drills, the definitive angle of every toe that could make or break a balance. But can you remember what comes next? No. Nothing, not even the starting position. Whether it needs a long run-up or a short, 
Whether it's a high-scoring fancy move or a low-scoring plain one, and it's not as if you can just shout across the gym, oh, bloody hell, what do we do now? <laughs> you can't. You bloody can't. And I know Justine. We've been partners for years. I know her every move before she even makes it. My job in the pair is to anticipate everything she does, like she's some extended part of me, to know which way she'll fall so that I can be there to catch her. But Justine is frozen in a parallel universe. And I know it's up to me to get us out of this. I'm a year older, and I'm the base. I'm the one that pulls us back to centre when we go off balance. I have to take the lead here. So I decide to give a, a visual clue. And I buckle my hands in front to indicate the starting position. We take a few steps towards each other, and I begin to see a glimpse of recognition in her eyes. I squat low. And she runs, and she steps in my hands, and I throw her high up into the air for the front somersault to follow. But she feels different somehow. The angle's not right. And I realise that the similarity of what was in my head and what was in hers ended at the foot in the hand position. I was going for the planned, high-scoring move of the front somersault over the head, Justine was set on the rather easier move of the high-flying star jump. They both start in the same way, but the amount of power needed is very different. <laughs> I see her over my shoulder, rotating slowly, too slowly. She's out like a star, not tucked in a ball for rotation, and she lands flat on her back and doesn't move. Then her scream pierces the silence, the kind of scream that you only hear in horror movies. And coaches swarm in from all directions and separate us. They circle and stroke and pull gently at her limbs. And as the crowd grows, I'm pushed further and further away to the side of the mat till I'm sitting alone, waiting. The ambulance arrives, and they cart her off on a stretcher with a huge coloured block taped to her head. They thought she'd broken her back. I thought, I've broken her back. It took a long time to hear any news, and I had to stay at the competition and endure watching all the other gymnasts compete. But all the time, all I could really think about was picturing Justine in a wheelchair for the rest of her life, and the universe's finger pointing at me as the cause. On the way home, we call in at the hospital, and behind a plastic curtain covered in penguins, we hear laughter, Justine's laughter. She is brimming with delight. No head block, no bandages, she is just enjoying the thrill of all the attention. You know what, she says to me, you know how you think it's going to be really exciting in the back of an ambulance? Well, it's not. It's boring. 
She'd forgotten that she'd forgotten. But I wasn't going to say anything. Because on a different day, that could have been me. And anyway, we were partners. And partners stick together. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.